Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. As promised, Jim Blackburn is our guest this hour, and you can ask anything you'd like to ask about the Catholic faith. If you've got a, a question about the Catholic faith, whether you're a Catholic or not, whether you're Christian or not, whether you're a believer or not, if there's something you'd like to know about God, about the Bible, about the sacraments, about the teachings of Jesus, about morals, you can call and ask. Uh, this is your opportunity, and I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of lines open, so this is a great time to call. 888-318-7884, uh, Jim and I were just discussing our hair uh, before we went on the air, and uh, I will explain that momentarily. But uh, Jim Blackburn, longtime uh, member of the Catholic Answers family and the founder of Catholic questions.com. You should visit it. You should check it out, catholicquestions.com. Jim Blackburn, thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Simon. Appreciate uh, it. Uh, in our lives, we have uh, taken an opposite approach to our hair. Yeah, yours is very short right now, and mine's a little on the long side. A little sure. on the long side. You, I would say you, you, uh, it's, it's beyond Unabomber. I would say it's longer <laughs> than the Unabomber's hair. You know, back in the uh, 80s, yeah. When I was in college, um, I, I, my, I had long hair. Oh, you did? But as soon as I got out and I joined the corporate world, mortgage banking, uh, I, I got a haircut. And for my entire career, I, I had short hair. And then um, a few years ago, actually before the pandemic, uh, for various reasons, uh, potentially a, a podcast or a, a program of some sort that I was going to be on, would, um, I, I would play a part, I'd play a role and I would have long hair in that. And so instead of makeup and wig and all that, I just started to let my hair grow out. The pandemic put an end to all that. Uh, and it hasn't, it's never come back as far as the, but the, the hair is a permanent fixture now. The hair, it, my wife likes it. So I, I keep it. I, and uh, I kind of, it's fun. I should probably ask my I feel wife. like I'm in college again. Yeah, that is nice. Uh, yeah, because I had the long hair as a as a youngster, and I, I don't think I got rid of it till I was almost thirty. Uh, and because yeah. I never was a anything fancy like a mortgage banker or anything, you know, like if you're just sweeping up, they don't they don't make you cut your hair. And so, uh, uh, but I I couldn't take the long hair anymore. It, it was um, I don't know. It just got to be too much for me. So I cut it all off, and I've never had it back. And I and I like having this. Well, you do still have a full head of hair, you know, and a lot of guys at your age don't. I don't know. I don't know. I think I, I don't know about that, Jim. I don't, well, know. I don't know. I'm not sure I, about that. I just, I just turned 60, and uh, a lot of guys my age uh, are either losing their hair or their hair is gray, and um, I've been blessed, I guess. I was going to say, nobody ever says to me, you look young for uh, 60. I'm, I'm not quite 60 yet. You look, but very Jim, very you look young. Like, you really look young for 60. You don't look 60 at all. Appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Now that I hate you, how about we take some calls? <laughs> okay, let's go. All right. Let's go to Gracie in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Gracie, thank you for the call. Go ahead with your question for Jim Blackburn. Uh, um, yes, my question is, um, right after we die, uh, do you think that we see our life flash before us, or does God take us to a different universe where there's no time, like a time limit, and we just go on from there. Okay. Okay, Gracie. Well, as far as um, as our uh, lives flashing before our eyes, that's, that's an old saying, that's an old thought that uh, uh, people have expressed in the past. We don't know. No one has lived 
through death to tell us about what they saw just before they died or at the moment of their death. So, so we, don't, um, we, don't, we don't really know uh, the answer to that. That's a, a speculation, I would say. But what we do know, what the church teaches, is that as soon as we die, we are judged by God. And that means that this is called a particular ju judgment. And that means that uh, our lives are looked at. Did we die in God's friendship or not? Uh, if we did die in, in God's friendship, uh, will you know, what reward is due to us in, for the good works that we did in, in our lives, the love that we shared, shared with others and with God, uh, our capacity for love, all of that plays into what uh, our reward would be in heaven. Now, it could be that we die in God's friendship, but we still have a little bit of a mess to clean up. Our sins have been forgiven, but there are some consequences of those sins that we still need to take care of. And, and God gives us the opportunity to do that before we enter heaven, and that's what we call purgatory. So uh, purgatory is not some sort of really a third state so much as it is just a, a preparation for someone who has died in God's friendship to finish uh, dealing with any of the consequences of his sins that have already been forgiven and get that cleaned up before entering heaven. You know, in the book of Revelation, we're told nothing unclean shall enter heaven. Um, in the letter to the Hebrews, we're told that we must strive for that holiness without which no one will enter heaven. So we have to be holy and clean to enter heaven. And if we still have some consequences uh, that we need to take care of for our sins, that have already been forgiven by God, and we've, our re relationship with God has been restored, but there are still some of these consequences we need to take care of. The, God gives us the opportunity to do that, and then we go to heaven. That's what we know. Uh, we know that uh, if we do not die in God's friendship, God will honor that. That will have been a choice that we have made, and God will honor that for eternity, meaning that we'll spend eternity separated from God. Um, we have some graphic uh, pictures of that in Scripture, you know, a, a lake of fire and um, the, the idea of Gehenna, the, the place where there would be gnashing of teeth and uh, these sorts of things. So it's not pleasant, but the reason that it's not pleasant, we know, is because we're created to spend eternity with God. And if we've rejected that and, and we've rejected it for eternity, we're never going to uh, fulfill or be fulfilled in what God created us to be. And, and that's a loss. There's a loss there. There's a, an eternal loss, and that's the eternal loss of beatitude, of, of um, joy, love uh, in heaven. But if we die in God's friendship, then we are assured of going to heaven. We're not told uh, what heaven looks like. Uh, we are told that, you know, St. Paul says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has prepared for those who love him. It's uh, beyond our imaginations how glorious it will be in heaven. So we, we can, and a lot of people have speculated on what that might look like, but uh, what we, the one thing we can know is it will be beyond our, our wildest dreams, our wildest expectations, what God is, has prepared for us in heaven. So Gracie, um, but in, in, response to your specific question, we don't know 
what as human beings just before death you know what we might see uh some of these ideas of seeing a light or seeing a, a deceased loved one coming to greet us or even seeing jesus or seeing mary these are not teachings of the church these are speculations that have come about over time and we just we don't know the answer to that question okay gracie yeah okay right. um i hope the guy has good hair you know, <laughs> Thanks, like, Gracie. Like, well, one, yeah. <laughs> one of us has good hair. Let's just put it that way, uh, Gracie. Yeah. Uh, thank you very, very much uh, for the call. I appreciate it. I hope you'll call again as which, more questions come up. Which, which one? Which one of your hairs is good? No, uh, the left one or the right one? <laughs> they're not long enough to be good or bad. They're, no. they're, they're neutral right now. That's how short my hair is. Uh, Gracie, what a, what a pleasant conversation. Thank you very much for the call. I really do hope we'll get to hear from you again. We've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Open Forum with the long-haired, young-looking Jim Blackburn right after this. Let us help you with your question today on Catholic Answers Live. Do you have a question but prefer to ask it privately? Catholic Questions can help. Go to CatholicQuestions.com to ask your question online, email us, drop us a letter, or give us a call. Longtime Catholic Answers Live apologist and author Jim Blackburn or another Catholic Questions apologist will be happy to assist you. Catholic Questions proudly supports Catholic Answers Live. So visit us at CatholicQuestions.com today. That's CatholicQuestions.com. The most original Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. On Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Father Joseph and Doug Keck mine decades of phone calls answered by Mother Angelica. Mother dishes out teaching, advice, laughter, and plenty of prayers as she takes calls from her family. Mother Angelica Answering the Call, Sunday afternoon, 2 Eastern, on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. Jim Blackburn, our guest, our number, 888-3187-884. It's open forum. Uh, Jim, I usually uh, like to reserve some time when you're on in case there's any announcements that you want to make. Uh, have you got any uh, big announcements that you want to make today, or should we just go right back to that? I actually do, and it, it may be uh, a little How disappointing. Little early I mean, I, to... that's great. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Jim. It's a very, very early announcement, but... Catholic Questions. At Catholic Questions, we have secured a sponsorship for the 2024 National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis. So we are going to be there. Uh, there's supposed to be 80,000 Catholics there. And we're going to have a booth uh, for the entire week. So uh, if anyone's going to the conference in July of next year, uh, keep, keep us in mind. Remember that we will be there and uh, I'd love to meet you. Uh, some of the other apologists at Catholic Questions uh, will potentially be there. So uh, we're really looking forward to that. It's, uh, it's great exposure for us. It lets people know we exist and what we do, uh, because that's what we're here for. We're here to serve great. people, answer their questions, and uh, be, that, um, be that provider to them if they want to ask a question confidentially and, and get an answer that they c 
can trust is faithful to the magisterial teaching of the church, then they can come to us for that. So we're going to have a booth there set up. We might have some giveaways over the course of the week. But um, I wanted to get that announcement out there right now because people are already making their arrangements to go to Indianapolis next summer. And um, just want people to know we will be there now. In conjunction with that, a lot of dioceses around the United States are having their own Eucharistic Congresses this year or early next year, and I'm in the Diocese of Orange, just north of you in San Diego, and our diocese is having a, a, a diocesan Eucharistic Congress called I Am, and that is going to be next month, uh, October 20th and 21st. And Catholic Questions will be there as well. We'll have a, a booth and a table set up. So if you're from the Diocese of Orange and you want to come uh, see us, please stop by our booth. Or if you're going to the, the Congress in uh, the, at the Christ Cathedral and go. on the 20th or 21st, come, stop by and see us. Um, Catholic uh, Questions apologist Chris, who is in, here in the Diocese of Orange, uh, will also be there part of the time at least. Uh, to help me out in the booth. And so you'll be able to meet him. Maybe you've already had questions answered by him. But uh, Chris and I will both be there, and we hope to see you at the I Am Diocesan Eucharistic Congress in Garden Grove, actually, at the Christ Cathedral on August 20th, or the main event is actually on August 21st. Uh, in a related uh, announcement, Catholic Answers will have an even bigger booth uh, at this year. <laughs> no, I'm that's sure. not really true. I'm sure. Well, you're, you're a lot bigger than I'm we are. <laughs> I'm just trying to compete with you. I'm trying to get... Uh, well, least... as long as we're talking competition, I, I no. gotta say, these conferences are not cheap, and if anyone feels so inclined, we do have a support us page at catholicquestions.com where people can, can make a donation to help us out, and um, we're hoping to, you know, provide get enough uh, funding to to pay for this so that it doesn't come out of our pockets. So, uh, well, I, you gave me, you gave me an, an opportunity to mention that side. Not intentionally. I was completely, <laughs> completely unintentional on my part. Uh, I, I'm going to just uh, refute one thing that you said. You said there's going to be 80,000 Catholics in Indianapolis. I think it's going to be at least triple that. That's what I think is going to happen. They're going to at least triple that. That was a very early estimate. I haven't haven't seen an update to that. That may have been updated. It's going to be big and beautiful, and lots of people should start making their plans now uh, to come. It's going to be. It's taking place at Lucas uh, Stadium, where nah, they're going to have to. That place is dinky compared to what they're going to need. They're going to have to move this to the. Where do they do the Indianapolis 500? To the Brickyard. That's how. That's how big. Yeah, or Speedway, oh, Speedway, Indianapolis yeah. Speedway. Okay, whatever. All I right. used to live in Indianapolis, by the way, a long time ago. Uh, eight I'm eight. looking forward to going back. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I hope I'll see you there. I don't actually know if I'm going, but I've been begging to go. Zach's in Ohio. Zach, thank you very much uh, for the call. Uh, go ahead with your question for Jim Blackburn. Hi, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I Hi, am Zach. a Catholic school teacher in Ohio. I teach at a high school. Uh, and just recently, the diocese that we are in, uh, a bi- the, our bishop uh, addressed uh, a letter to everybody uh, in the schools about how he wants to handle using things like pronouns and safe spaces. Uh, and I think he made the right call. But uh, our high school uh, administration sent out an email saying that uh, since we're not a diocesan school, we're sponsored by, uh, by an order that we don't technically have to 
take that as as an order, uh, and they're they're kind of trying to sidestep the issue. So, I guess the thing that I'm looking for is um, how much of this, uh, like diocesan, how much of this bishop's statement actually applies to us if we're not a diocesan school, and if it doesn't apply to us, where can I look solid ground to stand on to try and try and push back on what's happening in the school. Okay. Yeah, I don't know uh, who your bishop is or where you are, but uh, the, the bishop of a diocese is the, the top uh, legislator, let's say, in that geographic area. And that would include uh, having uh, jurisdiction, let's say, over every Catholic institution, even if it's not a diocesan, uh, if it's not, it's not part of the diocese, but is part of, say, a, a Catholic uh, a religious order, or say. Now, the religious order, of course, is going to be, uh, have its own uh, authorities and it, its own hierarchy, but to operate in the diocese, they need to operate in cooperation with the bishop. So the bishop is, is going to be, I would say, the default uh, authority in, in the diocese, and I think you well, you said that's you think that would be a good thing. Uh, I don't know what the bishop has said, but uh, it sounds like if, if the bishop is um, wanting to uh, recognize the truth rather than um, put pronouns in people's mouths that deny the truth, then I think the bishop is doing the right thing. Is that the, the tack that your bishop is taking? Yeah, I probably should have clarified on that, but yes, he is okay. He's saying that the pronoun issues are harmful, um, and I'm for that. Uh, it's a okay. little contentious in my environment, which is kind of why I was reluctant to share the diocese in the school, but I'm just trying yeah, to yeah. find out what I can bring. Yeah. yeah. I, I would, uh, Zach, in the school where you're working, I, I would um, I would use just off the cuff. I can think of two things that I would say. And I, number one, I would say, well, uh, I am a subject of the bishop, and I I want to embrace what the bishop has said, at least for me in my classroom and what I what I am doing. And the second thing I would mention that uh, is just kind of more broad in scope is uh, that I would say it's. Uh, explain to you know your principal or whoever that it uh, it's never okay to do evil even that good may come of it and lying is evil uh, now there are different measures of the evil of lying different gravity uh based on the wh whatever the lie is that you're telling but using uh, pronouns that you know uh, do not correspond to, to the person's sex to me that's a form of a lie and i couldn't do that and, and I would, um, you know, bring up the catechism of the Catholic Church and, of course, just the, the constant teaching of the Church that it's never okay to lie uh, and, and it's never okay to, to do something evil like that so that good may come of it, whatever that good might be, even if it's just cohesion. That, that's, not, that's not a good enough reason to commit a sin. So I would encourage you to, um, to you know, consider those ideas and, and going one or both of those routes, uh, but it sounds like at least you've got the bishop on your side, and that's not a small thing. So um, keep that in mind. Okay, Zach. Uh, I, well, I'm, I can't. I, I 
disconnected from Zach, so I'll just say okay. thanks, uh, Zach. Thank you very much uh, for the um, for the call and for the question. Boy, it is one that we are uh, all facing more and more in, in in many places where we never thought we would uh, face these questions. But uh, they're welcome here as they come up because uh, sometimes they need some delicate parsing. Sometimes they don't need delicate parsing; they just need clarity. But we're happy to take those uh, calls and questions. I'm going to go to Jeffrey now in Longmont, Colorado. Jeffrey's listening on 1060 AM. Jeffrey, thanks for the call. Go ahead with your question for Jim Blackburn. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Ian. Yeah, um, so my question is, normally, I should say a happy Thursday to you. Um, well, thank you. But my question is, yeah, thanks. Normally, we don't impute the sins of the father to the children. But for some reason, original sin is different. And I'm wondering why that is maybe other than because God said so. I mean, is there like some underlying rationale for why that is? Okay. Yeah, Jeffrey, you, you used the word impute, and I, I'm hoping you're not uh, trying to get into a text technical sense of uh, whether it's imputed or not imputed. I hope you're just using that as a word to mean that the sins of a father, uh, the, the children are not responsible for the sins of the father. And if, if that's if that's what you're saying, then uh, then you're you're right uh, that children are not responsible for the sins of of their parents, but that doesn't mean the sins of their parents don't affect them. Uh, imagine, for example, that um, a father robs a bank and goes to prison. You know, his children are going to be affected by that, whether it be. Um, they they live in poverty from then on. They don't have a father figure at home. They're not close with their father. Uh, they don't have other brothers and sisters that they might have had otherwise. The, these types of things. The sin of the father does affect the children. And when it comes to original sin, it's very much very similar to that. Uh, Adam and Eve were given grace uh, to to live in harmony with God, and they threw that grace away. But that was a gift from God. Uh, when they sinned, original sin, they they um, extinguished that grace in their, in their souls. And so they did not have that grace to pass on to their children. And their, their children didn't have that grace to pass on. Uh, grace comes from God, and because um, humanity, we, we say that human nature was corrupted by original sin. And that corruption, the primary corruption of that is the loss of sanctifying grace and the inability to pass along sanctifying grace to Adam and Eve's children and, and down through history. Jesus reverses that by coming and uh, experiences the experiencing the same temptations that Adam and Eve experienced and not succumbing to those temptations. And, and then he ended up dying rather than, than commit a sin. And, and by doing so, since he took on human nature when he became man, he reversed this uh, a lot of at least the effects of original sin. Uh, he didn't completely cure the hum, human nature, but he did give human nature back this built ability, and he gave us the wherewithal, the, the means to put grace back in our souls. And of course, that begins with baptism, and then we uh, fortify that grace and build that grace through the other sacraments. And, and this is the, the way that um, 
that, that we get that grace today, the primary, the ordinary means of grace is, is the sacraments that Jesus gave us. He's sometimes called the new Adam because he reverses what the, the first Adam did. And, and so that's a great gift again to humanity, and we have that now. Uh, but grace is not something that, um, that we can pass on to our children in a, a, is when we generate children, when, when we procreate. But it's something we can pass on to our children by getting them baptized and introducing them to the church that Christ gave us, the Catholic Church, and uh, having them receive the sacraments and, and grow in their love of God and love of neighbor. These, these things uh, reverse the damage in a way that Adam and Eve did at, in the Garden of Eden. So, Jeffrey, I hope that helps. Um, did you want to have a, do you have a follow-up on that? or? No, no, I appreciate the explanation. That makes a lot more sense than some of the other things I was, I was reading. Um, I'm going to okay. come all on that. I may have some follow-up questions another time, but thank you so much. Okay. Feel free to uh, ask your questions. Uh, if you want to follow up, you can always contact me at catholicquestions.com. Send an email over there, and uh, we'll help you that way, too. Uh, do you give uh, free books at catholicquestions.com? No, okay, Jeffrey, no. we do. I'm going to give you a free book from <laughs> catholicanswers.com. <laughs> uh, how about, uh, how about uh, Why how about We're Catholic? <laughs> Send Jeffrey a copy of Why We're Catholic. It's not a competition, all right? Uh, I don't want you to think of it as a competition. It's just that we give out free books, and... Not everybody does. I'm just saying not everybody does. I'm not naming yeah. everybody. Should I give him one of your books? All right, what's the name of the book you want him to have? You've got six. I've I'd got pick six one. books on this one. Pick one. How about uh, 20 Answers to the Early Church? 20 Answers to the Early Church. I understand that's, that's uh, one of my bestsellers. So okay, good. Very one. good. Uh, Jim Blackburn is our guest. It's open forum. There's two lines open, so you can still get in uh, the queue before the end of the show to get your question answered. If you'd like, 888 31 Truth. Right back after this. When the resurrected Jesus appeared to disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him until the breaking of the bread. The same is true today. In the Holy Eucharist, we really meet Jesus. In The Eucharist is Really Jesus, author Joe Heschmeyer explains how knowing Jesus in the Eucharist is the key to understanding all of Christian faith. Order your copy of The Eucharist is Really Jesus today at shop.catholic.com or get it at a good Catholic bookstore. Our Lord needs articulate defenders of the truth to spread the joy of the Catholic faith. Catholic Answers Monthly Giving Club, Society 315, helps you fulfill the call in 1 Peter 315 to always be prepared to make a defense for the hope that is in you. For as little as $10 a month, you'll help Catholics grow in faith Bring lapsed Catholics home and lead non-Catholics to the truth. Go to casociety315.com and join today. Is relativism dead? It sure seems dead. Each day, new moral demands are made and they are presented to us as absolutes. Everything from transgender ideology to physician-assisted suicide is presented as a moral good that all right-thinking people must accept. But Catholic Answers' own Carlo Broussard says look deeper, and you will see today's moralism is just relativism dressed up in new clothes. Carlo's eye-opening book, The New Relativism, shines a light on how the sacred moral teachings of this age 
cover up a deep denial of moral truth. Order your copy of The New Relativism today at shop.catholic.com and be prepared to defend the truth against aggressive relativism. The New Relativism at shop.catholic.com or ask for it at a good Catholic bookstore near you. Hi, this is Janet Williams. You don't have to be a woman to enjoy Women of Grace tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern here on EWTN Radio. Now, back to Catholic Answers Live. Welcome back. Catholic Answers Live. Jim Blackburn is our guest, the author of, as he said, six books for us here at Catholic Answers, but also for a long time he ran the forums here at Catholic Answers, and now he has a fantastic organization called Catholic Questions, which will answer individual uh, questions. Uh, you know, if you've got a, a question about the Catholic faith, or got something that's happening in your life regarding the Catholic faith that you need help with, they they will help you out with that, catholicquestions.com. And, and so I, uh, yeah. just to clarify, I didn't run the forums at, at oh. Catholic Answers. Oh, I, I thought I, you did. Uh, no, I was involved in the forums. I was in the the oh. Ask an Apologist forum. I did answer some questions in there, but no, I was I supervised the Q and A department. So uh, that was the the one on one uh, Catholic apologetics. I don't know. I had those two conflated in my mind, but I see what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, the, the the forums were overseen by one of the apologists in in the Q and A department, but um, yeah. I I really had very little to do with that. So I don't want to take credit where credit's not due there. Uh. No, okay, I got you. I got you. All right, well, let's go to Michael in Los Angeles, California, watching on YouTube. Michael, thank you for your call. Go ahead with your question for Jim Blackburn. Yes. Yes, thank you. I called yesterday. We got a friend of mine, and I just had a follow-up question to that. Maybe Jim can help. So my friend was uh, baptized Catholic and confirmed in the Catholic Church, but when she was 16 or 17, she married a Muslim man and, and became a convert to Islam. Uh, I try to evangelize her, but she told me that God the Father of Abraham, Abraham and Jacob is the same God the Father of Catholics. So, of Catholics. so I don't know how to come back to that, and I'm not sure if her marriage is null because she was underage. So I don't, I don't know. This is a tricky one. So what, is, is you, she still married, Michael? Sorry, sorry. She, you... she converted to Islam when she was married at 16 or 17 years old. She was not 18, so I don't know if that makes a difference, but she was baptized Catholic and confirmed Catholic. And your, your question for Jim, though, about all of this is what? Uh, how can I evangelize her back into gotcha. the uh, Catholic faith and okay. tell her that she should uh, repent and come back to Okay, Michael. Catholic Thank you. Okay. Michael, uh, is she still married to a Muslim? Yes, she is She's okay. still married. Okay, so I can understand how she converted because she got married to someone of a different faith, uh, and that's that's a, a difficult thing. But it, I think it's a good thing when parents share uh, the same faith. I think that's ideal, but not when it's not the Catholic faith. Quite frankly, uh, the the thing I would do probably to evangelize her is start with what you agree on and build from there. And and she has already mentioned that the God of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob 
is the same God that we uh, that we as Catholics worship. It is the same same God, and the way we say it as Catholics is that Muslims um, at least claim to worship the, the same God, the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, but we have very different views of who that God is and very different views and, and understandings of what happened after uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, in, in the Old Testament, we, you know, we can follow and see exactly what happened with, um, with Abraham, through Abraham's son Isaac. And we see that, of course, eventually... Uh, the nation of, of Israel came about, and the nation had a relationship with God like no other nation, the same God of Abraham. And, of course, they were, were promised a Messiah, and that Messiah came, and that Messiah is Jesus Christ. And Jesus founded one church, and that church is the Catholic Church. So in a nutshell, I would go that direction with her and, and go historically, and you could start you know, with the Old Testament, and, and even then bring in some of the New Testament to show how what the Old Testament prophesies, the New Testament fulfills. And we do see that Catholicism is the fulfillment of, of Judaism, of, of the, the Israelite nation and their, the promises that God made to them, the covenant that God made with them. And we have this new covenant in Jesus Christ that is open to the whole world. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I would share that a story with her and share that history with her and explain to her that Islam didn't come along until you know 600 years later and and uh, was it was founded by Muhammad and Muhammad had very different views of who the God of Abraham was than what Christianity had had been worshiping for for all this time and he developed his own religion, and and that religion is is a um, is is distinct from all other religions, uh, from from most other religions, and that that it is a monotheistic religion. Islam does believe in one God, but Islam does not recognize the Trinity that that this one God exists as a Trinity of persons: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's something that she. She gave up, I guess, when she when she left Catholicism. Um, she no longer recognized Jesus as the Messiah. No longer recognizes the, the the Holy Spirit as a person of of the Godhead. And uh, by rejecting them, she is really rejecting who God is and who He has revealed Himself to be to us. So she's rejecting truth uh, by rejecting her Catholic faith. And she's embracing what she sees as as similar enough because it's still the God of Abraham, Abraham, but that's not enough. God has revealed so much more since the time of Abraham. And so that's why I would go that route with her. But at least you know you have a starting point. She, she agrees that, that uh, the God of Abraham is also the God of Catholicism, God of Christianity, and and then build on that the differences between Islam and Christianity, the history of Christianity, uh, in, in particular the Catholic Church, and that might help her to see what the Catholic Church truly is and what she has given up in, in that regard. Catholic Answers has a uh, tract online that you can read and you might want to share with her. It's called 
pillar of fire, pillar of truth. Um, and kind of oftentimes when I recommend that tract, I also recommend uh, kind of a sister tract to that called God's Love for You. Share those with her and then uh, see if you can open up a, a dialogue with her, uh, beginning with Abraham and, and going through the history that we see in the Old Testament, uh, bringing us right into the New Testament and into the age of the church. Michael, thank you very much for the call. God bless you as you uh, proceed. I hope uh, um, those uh, tracks that uh, Jim mentioned will be helpful to you. You can find them at catholic.com. I'm going to Portland, Oregon now. Rose is in Portland. Thank you for the call, Rose. Go ahead with your question for Jim. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Well, we're happy to, Rose. We're glad you're here. Hi, Rose. Oh, hi. So I am not Catholic, um, but I am Christian. And I uh, have a strong appreciation for the, some of the Catholics that are doing um, really difficult work here, like Kristen Hawkins oh. um, fighting for our babies. I know Kristen Hawkins. To... She's so good. I didn't know she's Catholic. I guess I kind of take pride in that. She's very, very good yeah, at defending life. Yeah. yeah. And then Matt Walsh. And him fighting for children, not getting mutilated in the, you know, the battle for uh, gender identity crisis. And yes. yeah. uh, so I just really appreciate these Catholic cousins that are um, doing such good work here in this world to try and uh, speak truth and stand up for our children. And so my question is, um, I have... Uh, I have a personal belief that the main goal as a Christian is to have a pure love of God, um, accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, um, and then also a pure love for our fellow men, so basically charity. Mm -hmm. And if, if that's the case, um, it seems to me that the different sects of Christianity are serving purposes uh, where we're able to cast a wider net to help capture more um, hearts and souls with that, you know, the differing ways, different differing approaches. And so my, my question for you is, what are your, as a Catholic, um, what are the Catholics' view on non-Catholics? Are we going to hell, or are we all part, should we, should we unify and really collaborate with each other? I tell you what, Rose. I, I didn't. I, I, this is a, a very important question that's going to take an extensive answer. Could you wait uh, through, say, forty-five seconds of a break, so I can get that out of the way and let Jim uh, take his time answering? Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, hang on. We'll be right back to hear Jim's answer right after this on Catholic Answers Live. Hang on. Catholic Answers Live will return in a moment. Underwriting for Catholic Answers Live is provided by Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. On the web at realestateforlife.org. One of the biggest mistakes a Christian can make is to try to do good without God's help. St. Therese said, when we trust only ourselves and not God, our soul becomes incapable of virtue. Her remedy, works of charity. And the greatest work of charity is to share the gospel. At St. Paul Street Evangelization, a Catholic nonprofit, we encourage you to share the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Catholic Answers is supported in part by St. Paul Street Evangelization. StreetEvangelization.com Proclaiming the faith, changing lives. The year was 1984. 
Mother Angelica Live is the only religious program nominated for an award for cable excellence. Later in the year, she wins a Gabriel Personal Achievement Award from Catholic broadcasters and communicators. To learn more about Mother Angelica's life and the history of EWTN, visit EWTN.com slash Mother Angelica. Welcome back to Catholic Answers Live. I'm Cy Kellett, your host. Rose is in Portland, Oregon. Rose is a Christian, but not a Catholic. And I would like to know the Catholic view of non-Catholic Christians, specifically uh, what happens to them. Are they going to hell, or are we all related in the faith, or how do we think about it, Jim? Okay. Well, the first thing, let's get off the table, is the Catholic Church does not teach that all Protestants are going to hell. Uh, and the Catholic Church does not teach that all Catholics are going to heaven. This is a, uh, it's something that we each individually are given an opportunity to, to love God and to respond to the graces that he provides us in our lives and uh, grow in our friendship with him and grow in grace with him and grow in, um, as the caller mentioned, you know, she did a little gospel there. We, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. God incarnate, and we we love God and we love our neighbors. I mean, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God, and, and the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we agree. We definitely agree on that. And it, in fact, the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, mentions our relationship with each other. And in paragraph 838 says, the Church knows that she is joined in many ways to the baptized who are honored by the name of Christian but do not profess the Catholic faith in its entirety or have not preserved unity or communion under the successor of Peter, who's the Pope. Those who believe in Christ and have been properly baptized are put in a certain, although imperfect, communion with the Catholic Church. So that's that's where we stand. The We, we, we certainly recognize, you, you mentioned, Rose, um, that we're cousins in the faith, you know, it might even go stronger than that and say we're brothers, sisters in, in the faith. We share the faith in God, in, in Jesus, and we share in our, the, um, the commandments to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. These are important parts of both of our faiths, and they, they bond us together in a certain way, but it's not a perfect way. There's more to the faith than that. And, uh, just as I mentioned that not all Catholics will go to heaven and not all Protestants will go to hell, uh, the Church recognizes that the the greatest opportunity for heaven uh, is through the Catholic Church, and the greatest opportunity for the greatest reward in heaven comes to us through the Catholic Church. And uh, let me explain why. Uh, number one, Jesus gave us the sacraments. In Protestantism, um, most Protestants don't believe in the sacraments, or they believe that, say, baptism and marriage are sacraments, but they don't recognize the sacrament of reconciliation or the sacrament of uh, holy orders in the same way that we do, the, priest, the deacons, priests, and, and bishops of the Church. Uh, they fail to recognize um, the, the the sacraments of, of anointing of the sick and, and, and so on. There are seven sacraments, and all of those sacraments Jesus gave us to provide us with grace so that we can grow in our love of God and grow in our love of neighbor. 
So we have those helps available to us as Catholics that we would love to offer to our Protestant brothers, brothers and sisters. But of course, they, they would need to become Catholic to fully share in those. So we would like to evangelize Protestants and bring them in into the Catholic Church while we share so much, and not just in, in our faith, but in our mission in the world to evangelize and, and to make the world a better place, a moral place for all of us to live, uh, protect the lives of innocent human beings, especially babies in the womb, and, and protect the family. Uh, marriage is between one man and one woman, and it's for life. Uh, so that they can raise children in in the church and to go to heaven. These kinds of things we share, but there's so much more that we don't share that we, we as Catholics want to invite our Protestant brothers and sisters to explore this with us and, and see what they're actually missing in the Catholic Church. Uh, Rose, it's important to understand that Jesus only founded uh, one church, and that is the Catholic Church, and it was that way for a thousand years until some of those uh, churches under the umbrella of the Catholic Church separated. And, and then again, 500 years ago, when Protestantism uh, separated from the Catholic Church. We know, we know, though, as Catholics, that the Protestants today are not responsible for that division. Uh, there was a time, well, let's just say going back 60 years before Vatican II, there was a time that the Church was still very much in a defensive mode. Uh, when it came to Protestantism. But in the last 60 years, the church has has adopted what we call ecumenism in a much more serious way and recognized that our brothers and sisters who are not Catholic but who are Christians are are, uh, separated from us, but it's not their fault individually. It's something that it's the way they were raised. And we want to open our doors to them and bring them into the Catholic Church, share the fullness of what Jesus wanted all of his followers to have, that, we, that you can only get that fullness in the Catholic Church. So, Rose, um, that's where we as Catholics stand on this. I invite you to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and uh, read the paragraph that I mentioned, 838, and the surrounding paragraphs. And you'll see the Catholic Church does not teach that anyone, uh, just by virtue of, say, what religion they are or what they, what they believe, is dest- necessarily destined for hell. Um, God desires the salvation of everyone, and God provides graces to everyone, regardless of, of what faith they practice. And God wants to uh, wants everyone to choose to be in friendship with him and go, to go to heaven, whether you're Catholic or Protestant or uh, non-Christian. So the, these are important elements of the Catholic faith that I think a lot of non-Catholics don't understand. Um, so some people will ask, so why be Catholic? Well, that's, that's why I started by mentioning that in the Catholic Church, we have all of the elements that Jesus gave us, the sacraments, the, the liturgy, everything that Jesus intended us to have on, on our road to heaven so that we may uh, be in, have the fullness of what he wanted us to know and grow in love and grow in our faith so that our reward in heaven will be as great as it can possibly be. Okay, Rose? Yeah, we want those rewards. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, that's what we're created I'm, for. I'm also, yeah, blessings and rewards, that's where it's at. And I'm also wondering if I can get a free book. Yes, you can. I, I'll, I'll, t- I'll give you why we're Catholic, but was there a special book you had in mind? No, just whatever 
word comes to mind for you. Oh, okay. Well, I, I think why we're Catholic, just because of the nature of the conversation we had, um, we'll be happy to send it to you. And uh, it's it's been a real pleasure talking with you. I, I hope you will you will call again and we'll continue the conversation. Uh, and thanks for t- uh, t- letting me know that Kristen Hawkins was Catholic. I didn't know that. And uh, I've been an admirer of hers uh, since, for about a year, I've been uh, catching some of her, her stuff because after the the Roe versus Wade decision was overturned. Uh, overturned. I saw her on CNN, and I was like, "Wow, who is that defender of life?" So, Rose, uh, hang on. We'll get your address, and we'll send that book to you. M- Mika is in St. Louis, Missouri, listening on 1460 AM. Mika, thank you for the call. Go ahead with your question for Jim Blackburn. Uh, yes, hi, Mika. Good evening. Um, hi, I am in an adult um, RCA, RCIA. Um, as a catechumen, and we are covering the sacraments. Today we covered reconciliation, holy orders, and anointing of the sick. What should I have left there with, please? And thank you. Did you, wait, let me ask you this. Were you unsatisfied with what you left there with? Oh, very satisfied. I just want to oh. make sure I'm, I'm um, um, what I received is um, supported. Um, by by the um, gotcha okay the, the other leaders <laughs> sure sure that makes sense well first of all praise God and welcome home that you're uh, coming into full communion with the Catholic Church oh, that, that, it's, yeah yeah but uh, Jim uh, what do you got on the sacraments well before I, I talk about them individually uh, I would uh, hope that you are um, Mika. Uh, that you have a copy of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The Catechism of the Catholic Church is... Okay, then what I would recommend that you do is go uh, and look up each of these sacraments. The, the Church has a, a large... It devotes a, a large segment of the Catechism to the sacraments, and t- talking about each of the sacraments individually uh, that Jesus instituted, what the uh, how it is administered, and what good goods it provides to us, what graces it provides to us, these, these types of things. But um, in a nutshell, the, the three, um, you mentioned reconciliation, holy orders, and marriage. Um, holy orders and marriage uh, fall under the uh, sacrament of vocation, whereas reconciliation is, is a sacrament of healing. So it's, it's kind of interesting that you would have studied those on the, on the same day. But uh, I would study reconciliation along with baptism. Baptism is the sacrament that opens the door to the other sacraments for us. It It's the first sacrament we, re- we receive, and it gives us sanctifying grace in our souls, which is the life we need in our souls to live with God eternally. So it, it um, repairs, as I mentioned on a question earlier, it repairs uh, the primary damage that Adam and Eve did to humanity uh, by uh, restoring sanctifying grace, the, the opportunity for sanctifying grace in our souls. But when we sin, we extinguish that sanctifying grace, or, or we we uh, set it aside. And the way that, since we can only receive baptism one time, uh, the way that we receive that grace back and continue building in grace is we go to the sacrament of reconciliation. We confess our serious sins in the sacrament of confession, and the priests 
sitting in the person of Christ absolves us of our sins, and that puts us back into friendship with God, and we receive that grace come pouring back into our souls, and we're once again um, in friendship with God, in friendship with Jesus. Holy orders and, and uh, matrimony are sacraments that most people will either choose one or the other. Eastern Catholics, in, in Eastern Catholicism, uh, there are some married priests, but not much, not many in the the uh, Western Church. Uh, but, so, but the large, vast majority of people will go one route or the other. In fact, the vast majority of people will will um, marry. So, marriage is a it's a vocation, it's a um, a, a sacrament because the couple uh, are bound together. They become one uh, in their journey on the way to heaven is the way I like to put it. Uh, it's a sacrament. We receive sanctifying grace because the husband and wife help each other get to heaven. That's a primary end to marriage is, is help the husband and wife help each other get to heaven. And they have children together and they help their children get to heaven. So the sacrament of holy matrimony is, is very important to most Catholics, because that's the route we go, the vocation we take, uh, we adopt in our lives. Um, and I, I'm happy to hear that that was talked about in your RCIA program. There have been, there are RCIA programs I've been involved in where marriage is hardly mentioned at all. The sacrament of matrimony is hardly mentioned at all. And since that's the sacrament we live every day of our lives as, as married Catholics, it's something that's very important for all of us to learn about. So again, I, I would encourage you to, to go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Holy Orders, by the way, is, is going to be um, the, the segment that in the Catechism that talks about uh, becoming a deacon or becoming a priest or becoming a, um, a bishop eventually. And those are the, the stages, if you will, the, the levels of the Sacrament of Holy Orders. So read about all of that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And then, Mika, if you have specific questions on any of these, I know where you can go to get answers to them, and that's catholicquestions.com. That's my apostolate's website, and we have apologists, several apologists, who would just love to answer your questions. Okay? How's that, Mika? Um, that's perfect. And they did cover baptism first, but it was covered... <laughs> by a different um, priest um, for this particular group. Um, so I did have that, and I guess because I've, I'm, I was baptized in um, um, Protestant Baptist Church, but I was educated uh, Catholic from preschool all the way up through high school. Um, oh. I was there as a non-Catholic, um, non but I, I, because my parents, I, my grandmother, um, they were Baptist, so I called myself, it's just a joke, I call myself mixed. Because oh. <laughs> I more Catholic in me uh, in my development than I did. Um, well, i got to say thanks for the call because the music is playing and we are about out. Uh, Jim Blackburn, thank you. A wonderful hour. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me, son. Uh, that'll do it for us. We'll see you tomorrow, God willing, right here on Catholic Answers Live.